Hello, ladies and gents. My name is Colin Sharan, and welcome to Sharanigans. To put it simply, I'm here to explore the lives of extraordinary people and topics. And on today's show, I have a phenomenal entertainer who you might know as Royce, the voice Massengill. Royce is an entertainer at heart and has delved into many ventures in the entertainment industry. He's worked with many musical acts like Soldier Boy and I Heart Memphis, and he also has been an actor both on stage and on screen. Currently, he hosts his own podcast called Royce's Rant, where he has tackled topics of entrepreneurship, social issues, and urban culture, just to name a few. And he also uses his social media platform to be a positive voice. I'm super excited to have this conversation today. So without further ado, Royce, welcome to the show. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? And welcome to Sharanigans. I like that. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I uh, actually, it was John Gray's idea Look at that. to have that uh, title for the podcast. So. Shout out to the OG. Yeah. I hear you, bro. That's I right. hear you. So I want to start before the present day, before mm-hmm. you have your show, Royce's Rant and okay. stuff, when you were young and you had a dream. Mm. How did you end up in the entertainment world and what got you to this point in the present day? Okay. Well, uh, I started off probably right around about your age, man. I was about 15 to 16, actually, when I had, uh, I want to call it a premonition, real talk, because I mean, everybody says I had a dream, but I literally had a dream that I was in the middle of a studio and there was nothing but a bunch of silhouettes behind, you know, around me. And I knew that I was into music then. Of course, I sung and stuff like that, and I wrote. But I knew at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. Like, I'm always analyzing music. I'm always, you know, dissecting things on the radio or the CDs or anything like that that we had back in the day. I'm an old head, by the way, so when I say CDs, you guys. (laughs) Um, But I had that dream, man, that I was surrounded by a bunch of artists and producers, and I was right there in the middle constructing some things. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is you know, we're going to figure out what this is. So fast forward, when uh, I graduated Tullahoma, I received a track scholarship at uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff in Arkansas. And we'll fast forward to my sophomore year. This happened right around 9-11. I remember calling my dad and I said that I don't want to do business no more. I was a business major at the time. So if anybody knows about college, like once you start about your sophomore and between sophomore junior year, you kind of get you get a little bit more into your major. So I was on the brink of doing that. So I got all these credits, you know, in business that had nothing to do with radio and television and stuff. Now, did Pine Bluff have a music department? Yeah. But see, I wasn't trying to be a musician, even though I do things by ear, some things by ear. But I wanted to be involved with music and entertainment in the best major that I could think of was mass communications because, you know, we're going to film and we're going to have artists on the radio. So I took on and switched my major to radio and television production. And um, my dad was a little disappointed at first, you know what I mean? Um, Like any father is, you know, when they want their son or daughter to do something uh, that they feel. But uh, it took a while to convince him um, about how serious I was. And once he started seeing that I was sacrificing a lot of things, going broke, not taking, you know, money from other scholarships with other curriculums. He kind of let me do my thing. So got into radio and television production. Uh, Then our theater program opened back up. Uh, And by the way, Arkansas Pine Bluff is an HBCU. It means it's a historically black college. Um, In the same conference as uh, Jackson State, Grambling. Of course, everybody knows Deion Sanders is coaching, you know, Jackson State. I'm in that whole conference there. Um, so, uh, the, the black experience there was, it was totally different, you know, from Tullahoma you dig, but, um, being around those people, 
in that department, I, I developed a love for like the field work of TV. And then I realized like, oh man, I gotta, I have a voice, like, like a voice. You know, I, I looked up to my stepdad a lot. He used to work at WBOL. He had that baritone thing going. I'm like, man, I kind of got that too, man. And, and the way I articulated my words, I involved myself in like starting the school doing the weather, right? And then from the weather, I started doing the announcements. And then, you know, my mentor, Vince Bailey, put me in what we call like the quiet storm. And that's like late at night, you know, you in the college dorms and stuff, you chilling. You turn on the 89.7K UAP, about 10 o'clock, you're going to get some slow jams. You're going to hear the smooth R&B and jazz on 89.7K UAP. Like, I was geeked, you know. <laughs> so I fell in love, you know. At that time, we were using, um, what was that audio program then? Well, at that time, it was the Scott's system uh, for radio and stuff. We went digital and st- uh, we, we removed from analog. But I just fell in love with the field work, man, and... Then I got into theater, um, in which we were talking about, you know, the hip hop project. Got into theater and um, fell in love with that too. I realized like, oh, wait a minute, I can act. And uh, I didn't know I had it in me until it was taught to me on how simple to approach, you know, acting in a sense. You know, I thought it was this whole thing that like, "Ah, I got to study for, I got to be, you know, cued to do this and that. But he had taught me to be simple and to be honest and to be direct. You may have a script there, but as long as you have your objective, you can flow with it. And so all of that, you know what I'm saying, they gathered. Um, I said, you know what, when I get back to Loma, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I don't even know who's doing it, but I'm going to start our own film company and music company. And this is where we head back to Tullahoma at the college. I run into Josh Lovett and Johnny Lovett. And um, they were already doing music, so we started teaming up and we created Face the Truth Productions, which involved music and film. Um, we got our first camera at the time. Now, you may know this. Um, our first camera was, oh gosh, no. Our first camera was a, a point and shoot <laughs> digital camera. It was a little red camera, no tricks to it. But we shot our first video called Krispy Kreme. <laughs> we did jingles, so oh, we yeah. had. Uh, I had a song. It, it, you can look on Apple Music right now. It's called Krispy Kreme, but no both way. Look yeah. yeah, it's a goofy little parody. You know, um, parental advisory because it has some metaphors in there for y'all people. <laughs> just if you know what the. All right, we will leave it there. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, we did like Folgers and you know stuff like that. So um, we grew with that. And at the time, my partner Josh Lovett, um, I was pretty much teaching him everything I knew about video work. And so when we got our first real camera, it was a uh, Canon, it was an EOS T1, kit lens, monopod, LED light on the top. That was it. You know what I'm saying? Sony Vegas as the editing program. You feel me? And uh, we really thought we were doing something. We ended up shooting our first video. Shout out to uh, the Winchester guys, uh, uh, Jonathan Mary. We shot a video called Embalming Fluid. And to this day, I, I feel like that's the worst video ever <laughs> we did. But it was a hustle, though. And yeah. so when you look from 2011 to the work that we do now, it's like, yo, we, we really came a long way. And uh, it was definitely a grind. But that's that's pretty much how we started as far as a company. The Royce's rant really came through, man, with, um, it was around 2013. Of course, I, I do music, too. And at the time, I was going through like a pre-midlife crisis of like, somebody gonna hear me rap. I'm tired of y'all looking at me as just a video guy. You know what I mean? And um, I had a 17 track mixtape with some of the hottest songs back in that time. 
I talked about whack rappers, talked about the government, talked about bad food, talked about relationships, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it was called Royce's Rant. Shout out to Johnny for that. He actually gave me that name. And uh, I said, man, this would be dope if I could turn this into a podcast. So the reason why it didn't happen until six years later, um, I, I went through a crazy five years. It was crazy, like mentally. You know, uh, wasn't quite there and got myself in a, a, a lot of situations, you know what I'm saying, from uh, relationships to law enforcement. Um, let's just say I didn't really utilize my degree well. You know, I just got caught up with some things and it took me off a of track a little bit. And uh, so when I finally kind of got out of that rut, uh, we started it back up in 2019 as Royce's Rent. The first season had about 10 episodes. We recorded everybody from music artists, Yogi people, comedians, producers, entrepreneurs, people who made clothes and shoes. Shoot, my lady was on there. That was before she was my lady, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, she had her product on there on episode four, I believe, Jay's Butter. And um, it was all a learning process, man. Every season we tried to change it up. How are we going to do this? We tried to figure out how to connect the phone to it and getting Google, Google phone numbers and talking to people online. Then we started bringing people into the studio and, Every year, it just progressed, and I just took the opportunity to, um, to uh, make myself relevant. Um, took advantage of certain situations that might have been hot at that time. I was still trying to figure out what type of podcast I was going to be. I didn't. I felt like being the podcaster who, like, you you go on YouTube and they're always up to the up to date. I mean, as soon as something happened, they already reporting. I'm like. I ain't got the time to, to do that. Like, I don't have a satellite feed where I can look and see and then screenshot. And then I was like, it's better for me to do it live. I'm like, bump it. So we decided to go live because I like to go off the cuff. And um, not to say I don't like to do research, it's just that I just ain't got time to be hitting that right at the moment that it happens. I'm going to let it settle in and we'll talk about it. So we became a live podcast because um, it flowed a little better and I can see people, that I can comment with them. I was like, okay, this is how we're going to do this podcast. We're going to go live and we're going to create a platform for people to come on. Uh, people used to come on. We send them a link and they'll talk. I don't know what happened since then. I don't know. Maybe I started having more guests. But we're trying to get back to that point where people are not afraid to come on and talk to stuff. You know what I mean? I give them a link. They don't have to show their face, you know, click the camera off and, you know, talk. So, um, Royce's rant, man, um, Something I'm very proud of. We're going on our fifth season starting next year. Um, we're closing the season this month with a couple of interviews that are going to be pretty dope. Um, but what I what I hope people to see, and this is the thing, if anybody's ever watched my first episode from the first season all the way up to now, I even said in my first episode that you're going to see the growth of me, right? I had no idea how the growth was going to be, but – if you look at every season, you'll see a change in the, in the way I talk or how I feel in spaces or, you know, the uhs and um, well, let's see, you know, let, what else can we talk about? You know, it's got natural now. And uh, I hope this fifth, fifth season, I really do. I hope this fifth season uh, that I can encourage more people to be a part of the show instead of just watching it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I want to be able to reach out and touch people. And that's why I say Speak your thoughts, illusion, mind. So that's all in a nutshell. You feel me? Like there's so much I can dive into as far as other stuff that we've done, but I'm sure we'll get there with whatever you, you know, you ask me. But that's in a nutshell on how Royce's rent started. Started as a mixtape, 
and now it's a podcast, you know, so it just don't come with no instrumental, so I won't be rapping people, <laughs> all right? <laughs> yeah, so the first time I heard about Royce's rant was actually um, during all the social unrest mm. of 2020, mm. um, and mm. the thing I like about Royce's rant is that it's authentic, mm. it's raw, it's open, it's honest, Word. and I think within that, it's... Um, you always speak a very positive mes- message. Gotcha. You've got a very positive voice and um, influence. Gotcha. And, and I think that's important. And I really kind of want to know, what what is your superpower? Would you consider that your superpower? Or okay. do you have anything else? that? Dope. Dope. That's a good question, man. Um, <laughs> we, we've had plenty of conversations about this um, <clears throat> off the record. And uh, I'm going to be real with you, man. I really just found that out. I really just kind of found out what my superpower was. Um, and then to add to that, I may have known what it was, but I was a little hesitant on expressing it because I didn't want to step on too many toes, right? I didn't want to you know, hurt people's feelings and stuff like that. Um, I could be a very passive person. And so what I may want to say, you know, that I may have said on a Royce's Rant mixtape, it's like, I don't know how they're going to feel about it if I say this without a beat behind it. They may not like this. I don't know. I'm going to lose all these people and ain't nobody going to listen to me no more, you know. But as I come to find out, um, that superpower that I do have, it it is just speaking my mind. Like, it, it was really it was just simple. Like, speaking my mind and just kind of sticking to what I say. You know what I mean? Um if, if something does like agitate me or bother me, even within the conversation I may have with somebody, or I may just be ranting on, you know, on the podcast or whatnot, there are moments when I'll be like, ah, should I say this or not? And here's an example. <laughs> uh, I was sleeping one morning and uh, I remember getting a message and the message was saying, was showing me, something that had happened you know what I mean and so I took it upon myself like I I got up early in the morning probably about eight nine o'clock in the morning and I had a moment to where I was calling you know uh, uh, an individual out you know that is in a high position here in Coffee County and um, I called him out you know Um, would you say it was disrespectful yeah it was disrespectful um, I just felt like at that time that what he did was kind of slick and, um, I did a little research on him and, you know, I found some things to pick at or whatnot, but I, was I nervous? Yeah, I was kind of nervous because this is a pretty powerful person <laughs> in this area. Right. And I'm thinking, oh man, I done said this. I need to watch my back. I, you know, make sure my tags are straight. Everything's good. You know, they're gonna pull me over and send me to this person. And but um, after I got the shakes off and the underarm sweating and stuff like that, you know, um, and I didn't see any flack from it or like hate or you know anybody emailing me or telling me about myself. Like when I realized nobody retaliated, they only congratulated it, and I'm like, ooh, okay. All right, but I do know that possibly it could mess up some things later on. But as later on went, I think it gathered respect. I'm we're taking a wild guess on that. 
You know what I'm saying? And just throughout things that have happened recently, it turned out to probably be respect. You know what I mean? Um, I may have presented false information, but the truth was how I felt at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So um, that superpower would be, you know, when I do speak up, when I do decide to, I realize that, yo, like, okay, people listen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to believe it at first. Like, you know, my lady, my friends were telling me, you know, people be listening to you. And I run into random people, you know what I'm saying? They say, yeah, I'm going to listen. And I'm like, I don't, I don't be seeing y'all. What you mean? Like, you know, when you look at your stuff and like, I don't see y'all. How do y'all know this? But um, this is a small town, 20,000 some odd people. Um, there are ways to look at certain things. Even like, I keep thinking, wait a minute, I'm, I go on live. So when somebody watches it after the rerun, you know, I don't know who does. So I got to account for that, too. So, yeah, that's superpower, bro. Definitely speaking my mind. And I and that other superpower is I can be a little unorthodox. I may say I may say something that'll just completely throw you off. Like, wait a minute, how could you say that about yourself? But I don't mind. You know what I'm saying? So definitely speaking up on things, I think is my superpower and. I hope and I pray that I can utilize that more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I definitely agree on the fact that uh, your quote, speak your thoughts or lose your mind. Um, I think if you don't get those thoughts that are kind of battling you in your head mm-hmm. out, yeah. whether it's written, oral, anything, right. it you know, you will ultimately lose your mind. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, there are consequences to that. So... What is something people often misunderstand about you? Is there mm. um, things that when you speak your mind, are yeah. there things that people are kind of like, well, I don't necessarily agree. Or I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily understand. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> that's probably 80% of my retaliation from other people. Um, they may not agree with what I say. Um, and they said some harsh things. They, they put me in a category of, um, I mean, the real talk. They put me in a, in, in a category of, you know, you know, being an R-A-P-I-S-T, right? Uh, just because I may disagree what a s- certain situation is in the entertainment world. Bill Cosby, for instance, you know, um, I just simply didn't believe the story that the women were saying. I mean, that was just me, you know what I mean? Not to say that I advocate for date rape drugs. I'm just saying the story just ain't clicking like the, it's not adding up the math ain't right it don't come out to an even number here there's decimals and points and all that and so when I express myself on something like that you know you have people of course you have to be aware that there are people that can be triggered who honestly got sexually molested or or, or you know R-A-P-E you know what I'm saying D and I say that because I know some things are sensitive but um People are going to retaliate and then they'll put you in a category because they're being an emotion. They're being emotional right now. Oh, you're you're this. You know, what I'm saying you advocate for this. I said, I did not say that. I just said, I don't agree with the message. Now, if we go to other cases where I believe that story. Cool. This is a matter of believing it or not, because what people tend to forget or I had to remind them, you know. I was sexually abused and molested for five years of my life. So why would I have uh no feelings towards somebody that may have been through that right i just decide to dissect those situations a little more you know 
same thing with the LGBTQ community. You know, um, I have strong, I have strong uh, beliefs about, you know, that, you know, because one, not to say one, how I was brought up, what I went through. And then as a grown man, when I analyze all together, I'm like, okay, this is the life that I want to live. These are things that I agree with and that I don't agree with. You know what I'm saying? No disrespect to anybody that decides to swing that way or whatever. It's just, you know, respect my space. I respect yours, you know. So I come on to that scene maybe saying I just don't agree with that lifestyle. Or when we talk about Lil Nas X, right? Cool. I'll be the first one to say, yo, the album was dope. Like, this new one was dope. Like, I'm, you know, true. Dollar Slime Slime, okay, that's what's up. But as far as his lifestyle, I just may not agree with it. That don't mean that I don't, that doesn't mean that I hate the man, right? It's just his music can be an influence to people who may not can comprehend what he's really saying in the message. You know, if you can't decipher that, you're going to be led astray in a way. So, um, but the lifestyle is just like when you say that you don't like a certain lifestyle, you have an opinion about it. My opinions have never been, I'll put this on record. My opinions have never been on the LGBT community to make fun or anything like that, degrade them. I've never done that. I just may disagree on how they look at what the media does or what they promote. You know, I'm all about the youth. You know what I'm saying? I want kids to have a fair chance, you know, at life um, to decipher some things on their own, but also have that parental guidance to let them know, like, yo, you know what I'm saying? This is what happens in this world. This is what happens in this world. If you are religious or if you are a Christian, if you do believe in God, you know what I'm saying? Then I would expect the parent to apply that knowledge. Right. And when you apply that knowledge in Christianity and when you talk about God at that point, I feel like you don't have to teach much anymore because once that's instilled into you, I feel like God and those scriptures will tell you what's right and what's right and wrong. And then I respect anybody who does that. And I respect anybody who's like, hey, if you don't believe it, you don't believe it. But I'm not going to like I'm really not going to try to convince you otherwise, because when people have the mindset with stuff like that, that's cool. That's cool. But when they start calling me names and stuff like that, I'm like, all right, we're getting a little out of hand. You know what I'm saying? So to each their own. I just know in my space what makes me comfortable um, in my space and what I feel that's right, you know, in my opinion. And uh we can just leave it at that. It's just gotten so complicated now. Like, I'll be real. You told me to be real with you. Like, sometimes in the LGBT community, man, like, I feel like I have to think hard about who to call what. Or I may have made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Like, I made a mistake in calling somebody, um, you know, like, yo, what's up, man? And they're like, no, was it man? Yeah. I said, yo, what's up, man? You know what I mean? I didn't mean it that way. It was just how I address people. What's up, my man? And then... He gets on my, you know, my messenger and he's like, I'm a woman. Can't you tell? I'm like, um, no, no, no. I mean, right. in real life, let's just keep it in real life. He is a man, but he wants to be identified as a woman. But I didn't know that. He didn't tell me. I was actually going to put him on my show. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, he kind of flaked out and it's all good. But it's like, if you're going to give me that type of energy, let's, let's get on the platform and do it. Because I mistake you as a man. That's what I saw you as naturally, right? I didn't go to school. Nobody taught us he, she, we, it, them, they. No, they really taught us just basic English 
and how to articulate, write an MLA form, all that stuff, right? Nobody talked about how to address an LGBTQ when I can't really depict what, who they are. Right. That's just being real. But I respect you. But don't get mad at me because I made a mistake. You know, if you want to be referred to as some, as like refer to me as this, you came to me and you specifically told me I'm going to remember that. Like, OK, for you, I'm going to call you what you want me to call you out of respect because I'm not going to try to trigger you into whatever. Now, with anybody else, everybody's going to come to me individually. But I promise you, it's hard to remember that stuff because I just operate on a man and a woman and that's just it. <laughs> right. And so that's what I deal with, bro. Like, yeah, politics as well, you know. When you, I, Yeah, go ahead. I, and I think uh, your morals and mindset mm-hmm. align with a lot of what I would call the silent majority. Mm. I think a lot more people in the world than we think. Yeah line up with those beliefs. We respect yeah. who people want to be, but at the same time, it's gotten a little out of hand about how mm. people take offense to our careless mistakes. Right. I, and I, I guess I wouldn't call it careless, but gotcha. we're just not, I guess we're ignorant, ignorant to their wantings, gotcha. I guess. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I definitely align with your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that reminded me of, uh, did you see Dave Chappelle's, New special, oh, oh, the yeah. closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He closed it all right. Yeah, I, I thought it was personally. I thought it was amazing. Um, I thought it was funny, and I thought he was right. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Um, and I, I saw your post about that, about mm-hmm. how Netflix just kind of went on a tirade and uh, tried to cancel Chappelle. Yeah. But really, in my issue with it was he was actually in support of the LGBTQ community. Right. <laughs> he was very yeah. honorable, very heartwarming to that community. Yeah. But I think that is a metaphor for mm-hmm. people these days. They mm-hmm. they take things out of proportion because they don't listen. They don't read. Mm-hmm. They they are looking for negativity. Gotcha. And um, I think it goes back to the speaking your thoughts. Mm. Those are the people who are losing their mind because they're not speaking the correct thoughts. I don't think. And that's why he went to Africa, ladies and gentlemen, because he's like, look, I'm about to take a break. Y'all ever think I'm doing crack and that's not the situation, you know, but to add to that, um, listening to that thing, like even how he, which I wish he would have ended it off at the part where he said, you know, when his friend killed himself, when he said, ah, that's not something a man, but you know what I'm saying? That's not something a man. But like, he yeah. should have cut it right there. Like, that right. was dope. But, like, I can envision his friend laughing at that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. But here is the contradiction. Comedians have been making fun of people for centuries, right? Rather you're gay, rather you're black, rather you're white. And if we be more specific on black comedians, we speak about ourselves, more than any other, you know, when we talk about white people, you know, it'll be some, you know, some funny stuff, cheese and crackers and, you know, the band and all that. Right. OK, cool. You know, but when he talk about black folk, you would think that we would be insulted. Right. But the history of black people is where I'm trying to go with this. The history of black people generationally. We were a joke. Right. Systematically, we were a joke. You know, we know about America's past. So we have a tougher amount of skin 
when it comes to joning. Like, and joning, I mean, just like, you know, we'd be joking. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, looking face boy, you know what I mean? Oh, face boy, you know what I mean? Oh, banana looking, you know, and we, we be cutting up. That's just our culture. That's how we do. So when he speaks about us, we laugh hysterically. Speaks about white people, we laugh hysterically. But then when it comes to the LGBTQ, it's like, what? why is it not funny anymore? Like, I don't understand. These are jokes. Why haven't y'all canceled them years ago? You know, there are LGBTQ people that laugh. There, no, I mean, here's the thing, what the media does. The media makes it seem like that everybody in the LGBTQ community is upset when it's really just a handful of people that are calling shots that are the heads of whatever at the Netflix or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? And so they make it seem like that the minority is the majority, you know, when you can probably out of a hundred thousand LGBTQ members, there may be a hundred of them that are furious, but they're the ones who get hurt. Other ones are like, this is funny. Everybody need to check out, uh, what's her name? Flame Monroe. Flame Monroe is a man with breast, female breast. You know what I'm saying? He still got his middle part as a man, and he'll tell you, I'm a man. I just like to dress up like one and look like one. Don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it is. And I said, that's truthful. You know what I mean? So I catch a lot of flack, man. You know what I mean? I kind of chilled out on the LGBTQ thing unless it you know comes up and it bothers me, and I got to speak of it. But yeah, I've lost a couple of associates due to that, but it's okay. You know, that's life. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And that's the sad part of life where we try to be understood, yeah. but people just don't align with what we're trying to say. Yeah. And I think that all goes down to the media, mm. more, th- more so than just uh, LGBTQ. Yeah. I think just every group, every culture, they have their own, um, their own things that they get upset for. I have yeah. things that I get upset for, yeah, yeah. disappointed at. And I just unfortunately think the media has taken that way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you, I asked you the other day yeah. kind of what you would, uh, are an expert on, and you yeah. said media propaganda. Yeah. And I definitely think that falls in line with media propaganda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, what do you think the power and responsibility, do you think that's being abused and taken advantage of in the mainstream media? 100%. 100%. And uh, let me elaborate on this. Um, I I don't really consider myself a journalist. Maybe I was when I was in school. But um, I say more of a commentator on life. Because see, with journalists, there's a certain amount of research that you have to do. And then when you do that research, 90% of the time, you're going to have to present facts. You know, you can't be no shade room or all hip, you know, or world star, you know what I mean? Like you have to deliver the facts, right? Um, So I can be a little misguided sometimes on what's fact and what's fiction because it seems like it don't matter what source you pull something from, somebody's going to rebut it and be like, what source you got that from? Well, then they'll show me something from the sun or or from, from OAN. I'm like, you just told me what side you on. I don't, you know what? This is not about that. Like I'm just speaking my mind. So you know what? Bump it. I'm just going to speak how I feel if I have facts attached to it. Yeah. The media is 100 percent percent. I'm going to say 99.9 percent responsible. I feel for a lot of people's perception of life that they haven't experienced. Right. Um, 
I've worked in news stations before. Uh, I used to work for Clear Channel and Little Rock before it transitioned to iHeart Radio. And I used to run the control boards, catching in satellite feeds, doing reruns, bringing in commercials. And when I would stay, when I got done at nine o'clock in the morning, I would go into the newsroom and just, you know, chit chat, see how they work things and stuff like that. And I'm looking at the executive producer and the executive assistant, and I'm looking at how they're swinging things. And they'll be like, oh, okay, we got this story coming up about, you know, the crime rate in Little Rock, Arkansas. But if you look up the stats, the crime rate in Little, Mar- Little Rock, Arkansas, maybe they'll say, well, the stats will say, okay, there's been 60 homicides this year. But when they get on the news, they'll say almost close to 80, right? And I'm like, why are you doing that? I don't understand. Like, uh, And that's when I got introduced to, to, to really seeing a teleprompter, right? Half these people that are news anchors, it's not coming from them. It's like the president. Like, you can look at the president and be like, man, you ain't looking at us. <laughs> you looking at the screen. You, you, you've been trained to, like, keep your eye like this. You know what I mean? But we right. know what you're doing. Right. You know, we took classes in teleprompting. And um, the media creates the narrative for us. So when you, when all this stuff we were talking about in 2020 with George Floyd, we talk about Ahmaud Arbery, we're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse, we're talking about all this stuff going on, <clears throat> we're getting so many narratives from so many different media outlets that the people who are really fighting are us. <laughs> we're fighting each other, and we don't even know why. Like, you know, with, with this whole racism and stuff like, I'm, racism will always be here, Right. There's always going to be racism somewhere with somebody or anything. But I'm looking at racism as a whole. I'm not looking at it as a person. I'm looking at it as a system, right? And there's people that we don't know and that we don't see, black, white, red, Asian, all of them are in cahoots. And to be honest, the real color that matters to them is green, making money. You know, the have and the haves nots. But the only way to complete their mission is they have to put us against each other, right? We all understand America's history. As black and white people and other people of other ethnicities, we all understand the history of America. And I just think that the disconnect is is that I feel that a lot of people that who may not be black are not trying to understand the damage that has been done for almost 500 years, right? Because it takes, when you think about how fast America grew as a country, um, we're not even 300 years old yet. And we moved so fast, you know, especially after the Civil War, the Industrial Age and the Gilded Age and the Reconstruction, yo, that was fast. But how were they able to rebuild? Easy. It was from a lot of the free labor the last 200 some odd years, tax-free, you know, not paying your, you know, the people and the indigenous people and people who actually work for little money, you know what I'm saying, to get to live in the quarters and stuff. So they had a head start in how they did things. Like, America, let's just keep it real. Like, it's bittersweet, but this land was stolen at the end of the day. Water under the bridge, you can say? It it would only be water under the bridge if everybody acknowledged what happened and then we all do something about it just to have an equal playing field. Start with the natives and and work your way up if you want to make it right. You know what I'm saying? And the people that can make it right is our government. But the people that who can catapult that would be the people, all colors. I don't care what color you are. Speak up for what's right. And I think that's the disconnect. And that's what the media feeds off on. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah.
99.9%, it's, uh, it's the media's fault. They know what they're doing. Yeah, and I definitely think something I've learned this year alone, even last year, is that this has been going on mm-hmm. longer than just these past 10 years, longer mm-hmm. than just the digital age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been going on since the beginning of time. People I, always uh, control the story. <laughs> I was gonna actually going to bring you some papers I got from a lady in church. Um, it's this white lady. And um, I will tell people this. You will find out a lot of history in the church. There's a lot of archives and stuff like that, right? Um, but she was giving me stuff from, you know, like, transaction papers from trading off slaves and stuff like that because she was adopted by a family whom were slave owners or their family was. And then I'm looking at other papers she's giving me of, like, the toys of black men and women. Like, they made us look look like monsters, man. Like, I was like, why does this man look like he on crack, churning butter? Like, that ain't – my grandmama didn't have bug eyes like that and sharp teeth. Like, what are y'all doing? But that is the example of media creating a perception which makes – at that time, and even sometimes now, but then white people were afraid of black folks when it came to it because the media made us look like monsters. When you look at W.D. Griffith in his film Birth of a Nation, 1915, he created a horrific image of black people coming from slavery and we're taking over the White House and they got us eating chicken legs and turkey legs with our feet on the desk. What? Come on. So you send that message not only to white people, but you send that message to black people. It's like, oh, is this who we are? Just a bunch of savage people who eat chicken and steak and, and wreck stuff and, and, and R.A.P.E. white women? Because that's what was on the, on, on the movie. People were scared. But it went and sold $150 million. back then in 1915. That's a billion dollars, right? Oh, yeah. Even our president, Woodrow Wilson, co-signed and said the greatest movie ever. So when you hear that, and I want people to Google it, I'm not just talking. When you hear that, that transcends into time from generation to generation. After that movie, this is still part of the media, after that movie, which I consider that media, it's an influence, it's art, it imitates life, or in that case, life imitated art, because Griffith recreated the KKK again. And that's when the KKK resurfaced and over 60 to 70% of the congressional um, seats were KKK members. So tell me that's not an influence. You feel me? Wow, yeah. yeah. I, I did not know that. Yeah, you got to check that out. I know you're a researcher. Yeah, yeah. You, You'll be baffled at, like, how that one movie right there mm-hmm. changed the course of America for 60 years. And that's just from my opinion. It could be less time, but I'm looking at conglomerated thoughts and, and occurrences prior to 1915. You know what I'm right. saying? But yeah, check that out. I mean, it's almost scary how influential some people can be. And mm. it's not just, I'll say this, it's not just the large corporations, not just the large mainstream media, right? but it's small people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say, you know, small people, but they're, they don't have a platform, yeah. but for some reason they say these outlandish things yeah. and all of a sudden people believe them, people follow them. Yep. It's almost cultish in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it and is. And it's, it's a little scary, Yeah, but, um, and it's a little scary for us because mm-hmm. you and I both are independent creators Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we have to be careful, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, you know, that battle, Yeah, we got, we have to be cautious, mm-hmm. um, because anything we say or do mm-hmm. is with us forever. Yeah. 
it might influence yep. good or bad. Yeah. Even if we don't intend it good or bad. Right. And personally, I think that's scary coming from, um, someone as young as us. Yeah. 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 You know, what, what does the future look like? Is, is the mainstream media something we need to worry about? I think we're going into an age where the mainstream media is about to be clacked out. I'm going I'm giving an example. I don't have cable no more for what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm streaming yeah, me neither. Yeah, or yeah, me you know, or I might find a free movie on YouTube real quick Yeah, yeah. and I'll rent it for two ninety nine. What you mean? You know what I'm saying? I, I just watched something on YouTube the other day. I said, two ninety nine. I'll rent it, you know, cause I ain't trying to pay 60, 70, $80 for some cable and still got limits on what I can see or not. You know what I mean? But like, um, so I, I do the streaming mainstream, man. I, I think it's about to pass this time because even within, even talking about the music industry, record labels, mainstream record labels are losing money. So they're offering all types of money in 360 deals tied behind it because everybody's figuring out the independent is the way to go. Podcasting, you know, um, I was watching that back in the Alex Jones days. But I didn't know it was called podcasting back then. You know what I'm saying? This is like I was in middle school in the you know late 90s, like well, there ain't no commercial breaks or I don't you know what I mean? No music playing. They're yeah. just talking. You know what I mean? But um now that you got the Spotify and you got Apple Music and Geyser, Geezer, whatever they call it, Deezer, um, it has opened up an opportunity for independent curators. And honestly, it's it's beneficial to marketers and advertisers because instead of paying millions of dollars for one commercial spot, you can divvy that million dollars to several podcasters. I said, I'm okay with a hundred thousand and you give the other nine hundred thousand to nine other people. Like for people like us, like one hundred grand, yeah, we're gonna take it, we're gonna flip it and invest, right? And so it's a smart move for them and it's a smart move for anybody that decides to do independent work because ads are waiting at the door. All you gotta have is a thousand subscribers, y'all. So let's get to work with that. So definitely I think it's falling back into our hands, right? Because mainstream's figuring out that we have figured it out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, something I was going to touch on, even in the TV world specifically, because I just took a television class at MTSU, which was fantastic. I loved that class. One thing we talked about was, you know, there for a long time, there were only three major networks, and Mm -hmm. that was it, CBS, ABC, and NBC. And they pretty much controlled every narrative that came out to to the common people in the U.S. Right. So, but nowadays... There's tons of different networks. Mm-hmm. I mean, even down to ESPN, CW. Yeah. Uh, what else is there? BET. Yeah. Uh, just there's yeah. so many different networks. Right. So that means there's a little bit more uh, narratives being talked about. Exactly. So so I think it's gotten so broad and spread out. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering your thoughts about that. Is there any turning back? Is there a <laughs> way that um, we can avoid uh, hearing different narratives and not knowing what to believe, not knowing what's true? Mm, That's a good question. So let me backtrack a little bit when you're speaking on the three major networks. Real talk. Because my dad would speak about this. You know, TD didn't really get become a household appliance until the 50s. Now, they were out in the late 30s, early 40s, but only certain people, you know what I mean? Radio was still a big thing, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, those three major networks at that time, it wasn't 24-hour TV running. When the show was over, it's just that line and 
broadcast, be back soon or whatever, and you you sit there and you know you'll wait for you know they'll call it the show, my show coming on or the show or whatever, and um, so even then when you think about it, we were programmed because we were waiting and waiting, and they figured out that we were waiting and they figured out the influence that oh we're seeing the visual behind an audio now right we don't have to go to the movies no more so I think mainstream got smart and they were like. Well, let's just run this thing 24-7, all day, all night, whatever. It don't even matter. Just put it on, and people will watch it, and they see. And that's when these late nights started coming on and all that stuff. So when you got to think about this word, people, television program. And I'm going to stretch the word and say tell lie vision. You know, they tell lies to your vision. It's a perception. So it's like you may see something, and what you may see may be real. But then what they're saying in your ear is different from what you're seeing. So now you're like, what? Uh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I ain't, you know, they realize that television, the mainstream has been a major influence. Right. And so I thank God that there are people who have broke the mold and said, all right, we're going to detach ourselves from this and we're going to create our own narrative. Now to ask whose narrative would I rather believe at this point, I'd rather believe the people's narrative. About that, you know, yeah, break away from mainstream media because honestly, people like me and you, uh, these are people that, you know, we work our jobs or nine to fives. We actually put our feet on the concrete. We breathe the air. We we hear the sirens. You know, we, we get in car wrecks. We we see what's going on. So we're going to have the scoop. You can go on YouTube now. Somebody would have the scoop before mainstream. You know, that's a narrative. But I'm going to keep it real. I would look at that more than anything because it's a camera phone and they can't edit it right now. Yeah. So it's just live and like we can be like, ooh, ooh, oh, did you see that ghost walk across the screen? You know, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? But if, are we? Is there any way we can get that back? Yeah, man. I just feel like the people need to to to, to take control of the narrative because it is we the people. It really is. And if I do watch the news, bro, I turn the volume down. I just now I look at what they're putting up on the screen and then I'll see that like if I because if I hear you naturally you're going to be swayed you know I don't look at the tickers either like at the bottom I'm like "Mm -mm, no I don't do that let me focus here because below here they ain't even got nothing to do with it right so nah man the people need to take control of that man like mainstream media is cool you know maybe for advertisement but they're going to change the narrative every time yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's seeping into things that we didn't expect. Mm. I can't even watch sports without <laughs> hearing some kind of political yeah. talk. And, yeah. And I hate that. When did ESPN started doing politics? I know, right? Yeah. What's up, Stephen A. Smith? Like, yo, no, it's not your job. I came here to watch football, not to talk about. Yeah. Right. You're right. And, and I think more than just uh, swaying people's mm-hmm. thoughts and opinions. Right. Mainstream media is also detrimental to uh, mental health. Mm. And I think that's mm. a huge issue right now, especially in the youth. Um, yeah. and it's a little sad because, I mean, we've seen people in our own town, mm-hmm. unfortunately, pass away because of the effects of social media. True that. True and um, I just think it's, uh, I'll tell you this. Okay. I, I deleted the news. I don't watch the news anymore. Gotcha. I'm like, you already know I'm getting off Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get off Twitter. Yeah. I feel a ton happier. Mm. I 
I saw, I read something about it, how yeah. you don't, you know, you don't read the news and you feel better. True. I put it to the test. Yeah. I feel, <laughs> I feel a ton better. My, right. my mind feels clear. Mm. I feel like I have more time in the day to do things. Yeah. I'm nicer to people. People, it seems like people are nicer to me. Interesting. Um, and I think that's something people need to consider, you mm. know, take a break from the news for a while because ultimately it's not as bad as people say it is. True. We're still living. We're still breathing. Yeah. We're still having the free time to do this conversation. Yeah. It's not as bad as people say. Mm. And I got a secret to tell. And it's it's uh, and it's only on shenanigans. People, <laughs> yeah, you're getting exclusive. So check this out. Um, I'm only going to give so much information because I want people to do their research. And, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So, in college... Uh, I had I was you know I wanted to be an actor so bad like you know I was part of you know Sag and all that Erda all those um, union acting areas and stuff so <clears throat> so I decided to go online and sign up to be and I had no idea what this was it was like you know to be an actor for like extras and stuff right and the next thing you know I'm I'm in where did I ended up going ah uh, I don't want to say it. Y'all have to figure this out. I went to a particular city um, to do this extra thing, right? And, I mean, it looked like a set when we went out there and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? They didn't really tell us what was going to be happening. They just told us to react. So, well, I'll tell you this. They gave us an objective, you know. So, whatever happened, you know, we just had to react to it, right? And like, okay, this is what extra do. Okay, bet. Well, did all that, had a good time, you know what I'm saying? Come to find out, I wasn't only acting, I was participating in a okie doke um, that the news ended up showing as if a catastrophic event had happened. And so I'm sitting here with my roommate and I'm looking and I'm like, I, I, I thought, I thought, wait a minute, I thought this was, you know, for something else. Why is this on the news? Uh, wait a minute, is, is this real? Like, no. And she was like, no, they're making it seem like it's real. I'm like, oh, that's the green screen right there. I mean, I knew, I mean, I knew what the green screen wasn't what they did, but I'm like, I wasn't thinking it was going to be. So when I'm looking at it on the news, I'm like, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Oh, that was the green screen. So all these noises and stuff we're hearing, we're just, you know, pow, pow, gunshot stuff. So we're, we're running and stuff like that. I'm really, this is we're playing like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, call for backup, call for that. Come, you know, I'm just playing my role. We didn't have no script, right? And I'm like, yo, I ended up signing up when on the line. I didn't know at the time, but they're called crisis actors. I want people to Google that. They used to have a website, you know what I'm saying? And this falls into conspiracy, but I'm only saying that because, you know, I don't want people to think I'm crazy, but I was there. And what it is is the crisis actors, they sign up and they do acting gigs, but some of those acting gigs are used for other stuff to create problem, reaction, solution. And it may not be in the country where you're at. It could be in another country somewhere, you know, and that's when I really started digging deep into conspiracy. Like, oh, this is real. 
I need to keep my mouth shut. I spoke about it a few times. They had to shut me down. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I tread lightly with it, but I would like people to do research. Everything you see in the news is not real. And I'm going to leave it at that. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I I had heard at one point about Mm. crisis actors, and I think it was, um, I want to say it was with Greta Thunberg. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. All her supporters. Mm Mm-hmm quote supporters you know (laughs) and i wonder that goes back to the media taking advantage of the common people yeah i wonder how many of those actors who signed up actually knew what they were doing like in your situation you didn't didn't know know. you signed up for that bro we didn't know and i will vouch for a lot of other people that they didn't know now if you get the ones who are actually speaking in front of the camera and talking as if they're talking to a news reporter they know but it's somebody you will probably never see again. As a matter of fact, you may see their pictures regurgitated in other situations. And I know this sounds crazy. I know it does. But just pay attention. Do the research. Right. Um, and I got God with me, so I'm not scared. But um, I don't say too much about it because what I'm saying now, I want people to look for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, yeah, this stuff happens. As a matter of fact, it shows, you can actually research this or Google this, uh, blue screens were real tough in the news area at that time. So back in the late 70s, early 80s, during that time, we were uh, had, we had something going on with Iran or Iraq or something. Something was popping off. But <laughs> the reporter, the real reporter on CNN or whatever, I think it was CNN, the real reporter was acting like he was hearing shots and stuff like that. But this man was in front of a blue screen and they made it look like it was nighttime and he was in the back of a daggum hotel balcony with the blue screen. And all this stuff was going on. And if people pay attention, you can see the repeat of something. If you look at like maybe certain cars that go by, it's like, wait a minute, that same car just went by, but we're not focusing on that. But mind you, this is the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Every, they believe in all this stuff, right? Blue screen all that is just coming into the picture. You know, nobody's really paying attention to resolution and pixels and stuff. Like it's that mind control. When somebody's talking about something, if you don't see nothing in the background, you're hearing loud noises and he's reacting to it. You're thinking there's a war going on in Iraq or Kosovo or something like that. That wasn't the case. Now, not to say that everything on the news is fake, but believe me, some of the biggest things that you think is real, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, let me ask you this, because mm-hmm. I've noticed this a lot lately. Yeah. Um, a lot of it seems obvious, <laughs> and a lot of it seems, this is conspiracy, okay. intentional. Yeah. And it's right in front of our eyes. These little tiny nuggets of um, uh, hidden in plain sight, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that they know what they're doing, or do you think that's merely accidental that it, that we're just a little oblivious to it? Nah, bro. America's too smart to act like they don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they were doing when uh, why we're reason to why we're here in this country, right? But like, they know what they're doing. Um, even, like I said, coming from the news station, and I used to be a freelance videographer, like murder scene and stuff like that, you know, confidential videos for police, but like they know exactly what they're doing. They plan that out, even with the executive assistance and stuff on telling a reporter what to say or, huh, 
we got to post this up here right now. You know what I mean? If you've seen the movie Nightcrawler. Oh, fantastic movie. I figured you would like something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. It's That's for real. That's really? for so real. So that's not just like a fictional story? No. Things like, like that happen? Things like that happen. Like that's real crazy. incidents happen, right? But you have freelancers. Like I could relate to it because I was a freelancer too, but I wasn't like, I wasn't devious like him. Like he created a scene, oh, right? Yeah. But that happens though. You know what I'm saying? And it's it, news stations honestly don't care about the people or protecting the people. They just want to give you the hottest topic. And it's always crime, murder, police, this. They never talk about something positive or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, it's calculated. Everything is calculated, especially in mainstream. If you put CNN, Fox, CSNBC, you put that all together. You put if you had three TVs and you lined them up, and they're talking about the same situation, you'll get three different languages. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they know. Yeah, that you know, I, it's just it blows my mind how obvious it is. It's almost like they're trying to make it obvious. Yeah, and you know, there's people who won't get that, mm-hmm. but luckily, you and I see that. Yeah, um, and I've always wondered if other people think that, that it's obvious, like I see it mm-hmm. before I deleted the news, I would literally say to my parents, I was like, do they know what they're doing? Because they're making their evil intentions obvious. I've never in, well, I mean, I guess in film yeah. it's, st- it's still fictional, but yeah. the, the villains always make their intentions mm-hmm. obvious. Either they f- have a throwaway line that says, I'm going to get you. Or, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, now that I say that, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let me add to this, that you said that. Um, when, with with media, like, when you ask, like, oh, is this real? Like, you know what they're doing? Like, no, they know what they're doing because at the end of the day, there is an agenda. There's an agenda, and people hate when I say that. Well, what do you mean with that? No, 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 no. See, you gotta, you gotta set it up. It's a setup. You gotta set it. You gotta have these little things pop off. You know what I'm saying to kind of get it, you know, used to it. Because when you think about it, America is desensitized to c- c- catastrophic events in a way, right? The stuff we see in movies now it's happening in real life, and we're like, we're desensitized to it. We're like, oh, oh dang, you see what happened, or in the face of danger, and in, if somebody's in danger, we rather record them than help them. I mean, there was, literally, for example, there was a girl in a pool, and she wasn't swimming too well, and she was about to drown. But she, instead of worrying about her life, she was worrying about saving the phone from getting wet. And then her friend was filming her. That's how desensitized we are. You know, film people getting beat up, film people getting shot, taking their last breath. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Call 911. <laughs> yeah, I, that's and that's crazy that people would rather do that. They would yeah. rather seek the attention yeah. than be a good Samaritan and help. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah. See what happened? Uh, all right, you're going to get your interview in the news, y'all. Just, just chill out. Y'all trying to get these likes, and ain't nobody paying y'all for them. Well, I'll tell you the first time I thought about America's decency that word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. To violence was when I watched uh, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm, okay. 
Okay. Have you seen that? No. Okay. I, my, my, but my boy keep telling me about it, though. I need to see you that. need to though. watch it. Okay, I, I'll, okay. I won't say anything about it other than the fact that it's brutal. Okay. I like the, he's He's in Tarantino. Is it still blood? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Well, right. well it, <laughs> there for a while I got worried because I didn't see any. Yeah. <laughs> but then it, it ma- he made up for himself. He said, I got worried for a while. Yeah. yeah he, he built it up. He built it up. And I, right. I'll tell you this. When the movie finished, mm-hmm. my dad looked at me and he said, did you feel that? Mm-hmm. And I said, feel what? He said, did you feel pain watching brutality? Mm. I said, well, no. And I kind of thought about that. And I mean, he's right. I, there's a desensitized to violence. Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily feel it like they once did. Right. But maybe it's because it's a movie because I'll watch um, and I'm not, I'm not saying either side on this, but I, I'll just say that I watched George Floyd's yeah, yeah. video, yeah, yeah. his last moments. Right. And I, you know, unfortunately, I kind of felt something watching that. Mm-hmm. But I think to others, people are very desensitized to that. They just see it as another, oh, well, you know, that happened. Yeah, yeah. But it, it almost hurts me in a way to see things like that in America happen. Mm. That's not what we're here for. We're, True that. we're here to lift up each other regardless of who mm. we are. And you know what? You you saying that? I gotta throw a scripture in there, revelations, and certain things. And it's in the last should be first, and the first should be last. Good will become evil. Evil will become good. It's a prime example of what we gratify here in America, right? You know, we rather see more controversy and more violence than something good. Like if we film something good. And, you know, say we feed the homeless or something and we film it. People be like, oh, what, what you got to film it for? You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to show that you're a good person. But then if I film the same homeless person getting his tail beat, y'all glued to the screen. Right. So who's the real hypocrites here? You know what I'm saying? And it's just this world has made you feel bad about being good. Real talk. And it hurts. Cause I'm a good person, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I ain't trying to like doing this podcast, man. I don't. I'm not trying to do no gimmicks. I'm not trying to do no clickbaits. You know what I'm saying? Like the title may be clickbaitish, but it's not off the subject. It's just like, oh, you gonna you gonna hear this podcast? Wait a minute now. But I don't. I don't do any antics or anything to to get an attention. If you listen, you listen. If you don't, you don't. It's cool. But I've got too much integrity and too much self respect to degrade myself to get views or degrade somebody else. You know. All I got to say is, Lord, help them. You know, I'm going to pray for y'all, man. Real talk. It's it's sad, but I'm glad there's some real ones out here. You feel me? Yeah. Shout out to all the real ones out there. Right. And and we feel you. I mean, yeah. all, all those people who are real and are good, kind-hearted people, I always feel sympathy for them, yeah. even myself sometimes, because it's just, why can't good people get treated well, mm. get treated for how they treat others? Yeah. And I hate that because it seems like we give more attention to the negative mm-hmm. than we do the positive. And I promise if people started paying attention to the positive and right. didn't seek out the negative, yeah. I think a lot of the problems that happen in America would go away. Not all of them, obviously, I but yeah. I think if people started looking for the positive, right. quit bickering about um, negative things, mm-hmm. people would be happier. People would be friendlier. Yeah. And we would be in a lot better position than we are right now. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. Until that day, you know, I'm I'm going to hope for it. But what we can do as curators, content people, 
we just have to let our light shine. You know, the more content we put out like this, you know, and other things that make people think, um, like the, 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 the light will come through. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much longer that darkness can, you know. It's, let's just keep it real, though. Not to get too religious, but, you know, this is, this is the devil's playground, man, this world. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Bible, it speaks that, like, this is his world. Like, this is his music. You know, this is his influence. You know what I mean? And I think when we accept that as human beings to face the reality of that, that creates a, a um, what I would say, uh, a yin and a yang. It'll make us think on both sides. Okay, now I see this side and I see this side. I got to make a decision. And so that decision is your free will. And that's when you have to hold your own self accountable. A lot of us don't hold ourselves accountable. I've done that myself, too. But I think the lack of accountability is based off of not seeing both sides. We always look at one side and we don't want to see the other, you know. So you're definitely right about that, bro. Real talk. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just I think going back to Royce's rant. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job of maintaining this uh, positive platform, being honest, um, and it it might hurt some people, but that I feel yeah. like that's what needs to happen. Need. People need to have their feelings hurt, yeah, um, because mm. otherwise they don't understand. Especially in Tullahoma, like in Tullahoma, bro. You know, and since we're here, I like to talk local too, because it's like I'm about to speak on the elephant in the room real quick. I know it can be to some people out there, it, it might, and this is just for people who know me or knew me then, right? When I left Tullahoma, like I said, it's a predominantly white school, uh, culture-wise, you know what I'm saying, too. But I think there was only 12, 12 black people that graduated when I graduated. But, man, when I went to a HBCU where it was 99.9% black people, you know, I it's a different culture, right? And so I gained, for some reason, I started gaining my confidence. I started speaking up. I wasn't much of an introvert anymore. And so when I came back to Tullahoma, I wasn't the shy, you know, athlete, didn't cause no trouble, didn't speak on nothing, didn't bother nobody. When I came back and they saw this, I think it blew people's minds a little bit. I mean, I had colleagues that I went to school with literally call me and be like, I can't believe you. You can't. You done said you're not that person, Royce. I'm like, you ain't seen me in 15 years, bro. You don't know what I've been through. But I'm not speaking any hate to the situation. I'm just telling you what I see. And if you don't choose to see it, I can't, I, you know, it's, it's not on me anymore, you know. But I'm not going to sway from what I see. Um, I've gotten people would call me a racist. And I'm like, it's a strong word because... In my opinion, racism is prejudice plus power. Like you have to have some type of power to be a racist, to be able to control. First, you got to have a disliking to some culture or whatever you want. Right. But if you have the power. To change your environment based on whom you don't like, that's racism. Anybody can be prejudiced. I don't like Lay's potato chips. I'm prejudiced against Lay's potato chips. I like Doritos, you know what I'm saying? But that don't make me a, you know, uh, a chippist. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I had if I did something against Lay's, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I like Lay's. Well, I'm Frito Lay, whatever. They may be the same company, but but 
I don't have the power to do something about Lay's. If I did, I'd be a chippist. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're doing exactly. away. We don't, we, don't, we don't want your kind around here, them salty chips and no cheese. Like, nah. But, like, if people want to know the real definite racism, just look at our past. They had the power to change laws to keep black folks and other minorities out the way. That's racism. So when they, oh, that's racism, what you said. No, that ain't racist, what I said. That, that you don't want to see racist. You would really hate me. Hitler was a racist. He had the power to change an environment and murder people of a different culture. Technically, that were the same color as he was. That's how deep it is, you know. So I would like everybody to reconsider that word you know if anything call somebody prejudice before you think about racism because racism is on a whole nother uh, uh, scale and that's real talk so in Tullahoma it just shocked people that I came back with that type of knowledge you know what I'm saying bro I went through a lot of stuff that I come from suburbia Tullahoma you know what I'm saying not too many black people come from suburbia in Tullahoma I got family in the hood on Jackson Street right but I was blessed that, you know, my parents worked hard and got out of that situation. Military cats, we moved up out of the hood and we got into a more comfortable living. So I'm not going to sit there and talk about like I went through the struggle and all that. You know what I mean? I went through the struggle when I became an adult and I lived on my own in a 90 percent black community where there was crime every day. The first day of college, there was a dead body next to my dorm in our dumpster. So I'm dealing with, you know, Little Rock and Pine Bluff homicides while I'm studying you're hearing gunshots you know what I mean so it don't matter to me how you where you came from like as far as like from birth it's a, it's about what you've experienced in life and I've experienced it all bro from the hood stuff to the suburban stuff to different cultures here and there like I've experienced it all and so when I brought this back to Tullahoma I think it just surprised them that Quiet Royce was speaking or speaking up so they get upset because there may be some truth to this or I may just be trying to find an understanding but I can never get to it because there's too much emotion involved same thing with politics bro I came here started a march here you know what I'm saying um a lot of people want to tie me to BLM I'm not tied to BLM or anything like that I, I, I honestly don't believe in that particular type of movement especially the people who orchestrated that you as you see you know, they just got caught up for embezzling over millions of dollars and try to skeet off. Right. I'm more I don't attach nothing to me. Any organization attach the truth to me or attach the mission to seek truth. Just attach that to me. No black or white. No BLM. No. What is that other one? They after is it after Antifa? Antifa, yeah. all that. Don't attach me to none of that stuff. Like attach me to right and wrong. At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying. And so, yeah, yeah politicians like here, it's cool. Like I, I felt you know I know I ruffled some feathers, and I've had plenty of them on my shows talking about this and that. You know, I have one of them type of relationships with them where it's like you, you just got to respect me at the end of the day. But I'm not gonna bend, and I'm gonna keep putting my foot on their necks to fix some of these areas in the community that I hold dear to me, which is honestly the South and the Tullahoma and some of them places on the East side. That's all I'm trying to do, man. That's it. Yeah. Mm. And I, and I definitely think that 
change doesn't come from an organization. Change comes from, like you said, mm. the mission to seek the truth. Yeah. And things like BLM and Antifa, yeah. they're not out to seek the truth. Right. They're yeah. out to what you said earlier to get that green. Mm-hmm. That money, man. And that's what I don't like because it, the media again, has blown that out of proportion because there are good people who are trying to help. Yeah. There are good people who believe in that mission to seek the truth. Right. But like myself and like you, I don't attach myself to any of those organizations because yeah. I don't think the answer lies in the organization. <laughs> yeah. The answer Today. lies in people like us. Yeah. People in the community. Yeah. People who have a voice. Yeah. And people who are willing to create change. Bro, it's so simple. It's so simple. I didn't need an organization to tell the city to rebuild our courts in Jefferson street. I was in Murfreesboro at the time, but I always come here and I visit my granny and my auntie who lives on South Franklin. And I always just stop by the court just, you know, and when I stopped by that court that first time I was like, Oh my gosh, like it's still like this. You know what I mean? And then I read that they didn't done that in 50 years. So, all it took, ladies and gentlemen, all it took was one voice. I got on my live, and I think I just got off with uh, Alderman Barry at the time or whatever. But then I was speaking on, hey, what can we do about Jefferson Courts? I was putting up pictures. And, you know, Alderman Blackwell hopped on there, raised up a digital hand, and asked what she could do. I told her what I felt like needed to be done or how can we do this. Bro, she hopped right on it, raised about 20-something thousand odd dollars. We still not done, but she got the courts and stuff done, and then we got it dedicated to a a, a, a a historical family here that's done a lot in the community during the civil rights area. You know, Tennyson Homes um, and uh, uh, and the Hamiltons, that family. You know, so it's just an example to my people out there to say, hey, if I did this with one voice, can you imagine? If there were a thousand people, if 10% of the population of Tullahoma spoke up on one particular thing at a time, you don't think 2,000 people can make things shake? <laughs> Yo, that's the whole high school pretty much. Yeah. Imagine that. And that's who I'm trying to attract your generation, you know, Generation Z, because y'all are the most fearless generation. It's just that. Sometimes some of your generation can be fearless with the wrong things. Like, wait a minute, bro. Like, put that energy over here, though, you know? Right. So I admire y'all's generation and your go get it, you know, go getting this, man. And, you know, that's why I'm glad. I'm kind of glad we linked up, man, because I want to reach out to your crowd, too, to be like, yo, I need some young folks that don't mind putting, you know, you know, foot to the concrete or pedal to the metal, you know, before you go to school off in the summer while you're on break, you know, come come help your boy out with some community projects or even a march. Like, I appreciate what they all were doing at the high school, even with just speaking up about me, you know, how to dress or whatever, you know, you know, the holes in the jeans, whatever. Cool. I appreciate that. Just doing that. You know, some people may disagree or agree, but it's like this. I don't see no grown folks out here fighting for the right for something. That's what America is for. We got this, our First Amendment rights to assemble and speak, you know. So here we are. Yeah. And, and I definitely have a lot of hope for the future. Yeah. I know a lot of people like to get down and they say, well, we're falling apart. They're, you know, this country is being destroyed by young people mm-hmm. and old alike. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think um, a lot of the things you've touched on give me a lot more hope. That's real. Um, 
because I definitely do think people can make that change. A lot of people can create that change. I dig it. So I'm looking forward to that. That's what's up, man. So uh, I want to wrap this up with sure. kind of like a fun question. Yeah, let's go. Um, I, love I think it's one of those simple questions that says a lot, reveals a lot, kind okay. of. I think it's fun. But um, here's the premise. Okay. Ten years from now, okay. you've got a coffee table in your living room. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's on it. Well, I can tell you a writer. Hold on. <laughs> I can tell you a writer. All right. <laughs> Ten years from now, there's a coffee table in my living room. What do I do? Right? There's nothing no, what's on, the- on it. Oh, what's on it? Yeah. Because it, it kind of <laughs> reveals about what your passions are, what, what you Ooh, like. I mean. Okay. Um, My Mac computer. Yo. <laughs> Yo, for real. With, with the hustle and, and the hustle I've been through. It will probably be my it'll probably be my mic set up, bro. It'll probably I'll mess around and put a co- computer there with a mic set up. You know what I'm saying? Because I I like to record in odd places. It just gives me an authentic feeling. Like of yeah. course, you know, I was in my room doing it here, and I'm going about to do it here. But then I try to make it mobile, like how you're doing, and I, I'll set up anywhere. Even you know, I'm you know trying to have a thing where you know I'm, I may do something where the the ambiance is the traffic and stuff going on but everything's still concealed here right but yeah if it was 10 years from now it would be it would be a computer screen with my mic set up it may not be for the podcast it might just be for uh post production stuff yeah uh sometimes i don't like to sit in seats like i'll sit flat i'll sit on a little pillow a couple of pillows cushioned up and be sitting and be doing the work like this Without a mouse pad, mouse pad, like I'm that type of OG. Like, yeah. now nah, give me the grit and grind of it. Like, it will definitely be my work on that coffee table. Real talk, you know, with some papers and stuff on the left and right. I might have been writing some bars or some, or writing a script for a little skit that we trying to do. You know, um, mm, there's gonna be some sweet tea right there with the ice like halfway melted, where the water's just simmering over the sweet. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I when know you what gotta, you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you when you get to the bottom, it's good. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, shoot, on some real talk, maybe. This might be, you know, it, it might be God's green earth on there sometimes when I'm just relaxing or whatnot. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. Um, uh, that would probably be it. It's real simple. Yeah. Yeah, real simple. I got a, I got a passion for awkward settings and positions. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it would be no chair, though. I'll be, I'll be sitting on the pillow, a couple of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. I like yeah. that. That's the first time I've tried that question. But yeah, yeah, yeah. to me, it, it almost was like uh, it reveals, a, you know, the the person outside of the personality everybody yeah. else sees. Yeah. So. And that, that would be me, y'all. Yeah. Even when y'all hear me on here, I'm still doing this when I get out. I'm, I'm just trying to think of something to do, like to curate, like, yo. Should I spit some six, 16 bars here or there? You know what I'm saying? Show y'all I can rap too? Or should I do a quick little skit real quick? You know, show y'all what I do? Or, you know, so, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. And uh, plug yourself. You, what? Where do you want people to find you? Yo, I tried to make it as simple as possible, y'all, because I know finding a name for something for your own thing, like, you know, uh, it can be hard, but, you know, my mother blessed me with my father's name, Royce. And so it just flows with Royce's rant. So I try to keep everything Royce's rant. Honestly, everything is Royce's rant. Twitter, IG, YouTube, which I'm trying to revamp that a little bit. Um, but Facebook is where I get most of my followers, 90% of my followers and listeners. 
But if you want to go on the audio side, then it would it would be Anchor.fm. But you can find me on Apple Music. You can find me on all outlets that play music or podcast as Royce's Rant. R O Y C E S R A N T. Or let me take that right. R O Y C E apostrophe S R A N T. And when you type that in, I guarantee you, you will find all that you need to find. And if people just, some people think my last name is Rant when they don't know me. Yeah, we're talking to Royce's <laughs> Rant. Oh, that's cool. That means I'm making it a brand. Like, that's dope. Um, I do think it's becoming a household name in Tullahoma. I feel like it, you know, because I've been in their faces a lot. But if you're not familiar with Royce's Rant, if you do look up Royce Massengill, you Google that, then you're going to see other accolades outside of podcasts. You'll get to see my acting. You'll get to see all the plays, stage plays I've been in. You might dig up some state, some state, uh, 200, 400 meter track times too, because I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a state qualifier and top three in the state at that time. You, you know, still got I mean? it in you though. <sighs> Let's just say it like this: I got it in me to run, but I may not be able to run that fast anymore. I don't know, but sometimes I feel like when I was watching television football, I was like, I still got it. I know I do. I'm gonna try it, and then I go out of them blocks and pull my hamstring. You know, yeah, but. <laughs> I think I still forgot it. Like, yeah, you know, if we want to yeah. do some alumni things, what's up, what's up, Coach Sharan? What's up with the alumni work, man? Let's yeah. let's get an alumni basketball game so I can dunk on y'all real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, um, definitely, definitely. All right, awesome. Folks, you heard it here. Uh, check out Royce Massengill online, Royce's Rant, anywhere where media is found. And uh, Royce, I really appreciate you taking your time to sit down. Mm. What an awesome conversation. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And if I leave something, hey, I always say, you know, um, I leave with my tag all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's your boy Royce the Voice, Orange Click, Orange Leader. Shout out to K-Team. Don't forget to speak your thoughts because you will lose your mind. Speak your thought or lose your mind. You feel what I'm saying? And that's all I got to say. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me. All righty. I appreciate it. For sure.